Sick of the fatigue and fog, fed up with the unpredictable flares, hangry from the super restrictive diets. Hello, and welcome to the Crunchy Allergist Podcast, a podcast empowering those who, like me, appreciate both a naturally minded and scientifically grounded approach to health and healing. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Kara Wada, quadruple board certified pediatric and adult allergy immunology and lifestyle medicine physician, Sjogren's patient and life coach. My recipe for success combines anti-inflammatory lifestyle, trusting therapeutic relationships, modern medicine, and mindset to harness our body's ability to heal. Now, although I might be a physician, I'm not your physician, and this podcast is for educational purposes only. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week on the Crunchy Allergist Podcast. I am super excited to welcome Dr. Adrian Chavez. He is the host of the Nutrition Science Podcast and founder of the Dr. Chavez School of Nutrition. He holds a PhD in nutrition and health promotion from Arizona State University, where his research was focused on translating the scientific principles of nutrition into real world practice for chronic disease prevention. He has a strong passion for fighting against misinformation and helping people get access to practical, high quality evidence-based nutrition guidance. You can find him on Instagram at Dr. Adrian Chavez, which we'll link in the show notes, where he's highly active in dispelling myths and teaching basic nutrition concepts in his practical and entertaining ways. Now, join Dr. Adrian and I jumping right in to one of my biggest frustrations, food sensitivity testing. Yeah, I think that's what's been really hard and frustrating. In particular, one of my like like things that's like the needle in my side is like the food sensitivity testing that people will come in with the results already, having already spent hundreds of dollars on it, and then maybe have already embarked on these huge elimination diets and the science isn't there. And if it worked, I would be ordering it every single day in the office. And I would have ordered it personally because it would be amazing to have a simple tool or test that would give us this information on a silver platter. It's just not how the science works. It's not how the the immunology works. Yeah. The the food sensitivity tests are looking at one immunoglobulin in. in Yeah. And it's the memory. It's the memory protein for our body. Yeah. And then beyond that, a lot of reactions are are microbiome food interactions. They're not, they have nothing Nothing to do with the immune system. system. Nothing like, especially with GI issues. When I have someone come in who who just has GI issues and they have a food sensitivity test and they show, they're always disappointed because I'm like, I don't even want to see it. I'll see it for like entertainment purposes. Maybe I have one client who his, he, he reached out to me. He had seen a naturopath and then someone like a day later, one of his friends was like, he told his friend that he saw the naturopath and his friend was like, dude, you please go see Adrian. Like I have a friend that, that is probably going to put you in a better place than where this naturopath is. So he reached out to me. He told me he had just sent off a food sensitivity test. He had bought like this detox protocol or whatever. Like it, this was a month ago. He has no symptoms now. It was so simple. Like his, his he just needed to improve his dietary quality. There was just there. And there's certain things that like there's just certain things that I can tell he reacts to because I, I have my clients like journal and I look at their journal and that helps me really like dial in on their food sensitivities. And there was a couple of things that I'm like, Hey, may want to pay attention to this may want to pay attention to that. He has no symptoms. Now it was like a month ago, two months ago, not even in, but with this specific individual, like he got his food sensitivity test back two weeks ago and 
it's laughable the the stuff that comes back like it told him he shouldn't be eating chicken and he's eating chicken pretty much every day and he feels better he's i'm so glad that i that that like i had an intervention before i follow continue to follow through with this naturopath because at that point it really was he was ready to go down the rabbit hole with what she was going to recommend and it's money these people are doing it because it's part of their business model they make the majority of their money a lot of naturopaths and functional medicine doctors like a big portion of their income comes from cuts that they get back from a lab test so if you pay 300 they might get 100 off of that and then supplements they're usually getting 30 to 40 percent off your supplements and so that's why when you go to a functional medicine doctor oftentimes they're going to convince you that you need a bunch of lab tests. So if you spend two grand, they're going to make 500 bucks right off of that. And then they're going to recommend 250 bucks a month worth of supplements. They're going to be making another hundred a month off of your supplements and for life, like for life, if you keep taking them and it's a really good model to make money. And I had considered going through functional medicine training in when I just dug more into it and started looking at some of the supplements and I started looking at the science behind it, I'm like, gluten doesn't like, or not gluten, glutamine. Like they, they recommend glutamine for everybody with GI issues. It's most, it's rarely necessary. Like it's rarely helpful. The evidence is um, limited in showing a benefit from glutamine supplementation. It may be helpful in individuals who are consuming very low amounts of glutamine or who have very high glutamine needs due to stressors, lots of exercise, having to repair like after a surgery or something like that. Like in some cases, glutamine needs are higher. And in those cases, having a little bit more glutamine may have a, have a positive benefit on gut permeability, but someone with IBS, like giving, and, and they have standard protocols, glutamine, with a digestive enzyme, with a probiotic, and everybody gets it. And that's not how we work. That's not how humans work. Someone with IBS, I can have two clients with IBS. One of my clients will do best off like really high carb, high fiber diet. The other one does best off low fiber. Like it's just yeah. the way that, that, that people vary and the way that our microbiomes and our genetics, and again, our nutrient needs vary. Cause that's an important thing too. Like nutrient needs are not considered enough. Like people say, oh, they focus so much on the restrictions and not on what do you actually need? What are the things that you need as a human being? You need to be eating enough calories. That's an important piece. And oftentimes people don't when they have, when they're on all these restrictions. I had had a conversation yesterday with someone who she follows a basically an autoimmune paleo protocol diet and doesn't quote unquote cheat. Like I could tell in our conversation that she just operates from an extremely restrictive like mm. space from, from these years and her, she has psoriasis and it was flaring and it started flaring when she started breastfeeding. And I, I, I asked her like, when you started breastfeeding, did you increase your calories at all? And she's like, no, I can't, I'm already full enough from the food that I'm eating because I only eat veggies and protein that like, I can't eat more. And I'm like, Wait, you need there's more. her issue. She's, yeah. well, she, she came to me thinking like we were going to, I was going to put her on this to reach out to me for like potentially working together to get on like a protocol and stuff. And I'm like, you don't need to work with me. You need to just eat more. <laughs> like you need to, I'm pretty confident that if you just relax your diet, 
yeah for a, for a month or two your immune system is going to improve and, and your psoriasis flare is going to go away and it she had been it was her first flare in a while and it completely coincided when her baby got large enough to start taking out enough energy from her system for her to be yeah. deprived of nutrition yeah and that changes over the course of i'm currently i have a four and a half month old so even just yeah. thinking about how his needs have you know changed now that he's a 17 pound chunk <laughs> yeah and that has to be like your nutrition for autoimmune patients your nutrition should first be focused on what you need rather than what you need to eliminate and that's the mindset that i want people that i try yes. to move people towards let's first focus on what you need let's first focus on getting you more fruits and vegetables that you can that, that don't you know, cause a GI issue or anything for you that you can tolerate well, that you feel good eating. And, and oftentimes autoimmune issues coincide a lot with GI issues. So I, I know that yeah. many individuals with autoimmune disease probably do better off like lower FODMAP foods and certain things that, that really, and that trigger, but there's many foods that, that like berries, for example, like everyone with autoimmune disease should be eating berries in my opinion, because some type of berry, because the polyphenols in the berries and the anthocyanins, they have antioxidant properties. They literally interfere with our body's inflammatory process. These nutrients can go into our body and stop our immune system from engaging in this excessive autoimmune response to a certain extent. It's, these things are not like, it's not a medicine that's going to completely stop it. But the, adding in more of these foods is going to help your body overall, and you're going to provide more of the, that nutrition and more of that nutrition is going to help reduce that inflammation. And you don't have to, you can still go to McDonald's on, on the weekend when you're busy. And this is the issue. Like yeah. that is not going to matter if most of your diet is comprised of nutrient dense meals that work for you. And if it does, then maybe you should avoid it. But for most people, and I've worked with a lot of people, I know this, like for most people, that's not going to set you off. Like one meal that's just completely off the wall usually doesn't even matter. Like I can't tell you how many people I've given permission to eat foods again that they thought they could. I've worked with dozens of people who like, because one of the things I ask is what's one food that you really want to eat again? Because when someone's on a restricted diet, like that's one of the first, what's one food that you really want to eat again? Mm -hmm. And pizza <laughs> always comes yeah. up. It's gluten and dairy. Like yeah. you got to avoid those if you have any type of health condition. The other thing that I was so fearful of, and I remember talking, so how I got out of the loop was working with a new registered dietitian who, you know, knows the nutrition science and I wanted to eat oatmeal. She's like, eat the oatmeal. It'll be so good for you. That's how, you know, how yeah, oatmeal I mean. intense the, the rabbit hole is sometimes like oatmeal is a phenomenal food. And I was really scared of it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so like the pizza thing, I can't tell you how many clients that I've like, I, I have, if I could go back and take all the screenshots from like the messages I got, like, oh my God, I ate pizza and it didn't do anything to yes. me. Like, it didn't completely kill me of course it didn't like we most like everyone eats pizza like the foods are not that scary like it's a food it's providing you energy even a pizza a pizza is providing you calcium some b vitamins like the the tomato sauce is going to give you some lycopene yeah. there's nutritional value in 
almost everything not everything of course like there's things that you <laughs> flaming hot cheetos do. maybe less so <laughs> yeah yeah and and those are the things like a flaming hot cheeto those are the things that are probably more likely to set some people off just because yeah. of all the different things that are in there but pediatrician colleagues have a, a theory on flaming hot cheetos that it is a <laughs> one of the major sources of teens and kids gi distress <laughs> oh for sure uh for sure i grew up eating tons of my crazy story but so when I was my I have a younger brother that's 11 years younger than me and I used to watch him during the summer when he was a baby and he would eat whole bags of flaming hot Cheetos at one year old so if this food was so toxic like my brother would be dead right now based on the way he was eating like like these foods yes they're not nutritious they're not providing us with things that our body needs per se besides the calories but they're not toxic we need to stop taking stop comparing foods to toxins because that's an exaggeration and that's scaring people if you have a couple of bites of cheetos like it's probably not going to do anything even if you have more than that probably not going to have any issue for most people and and i'm not going i'm not encouraging like i get this too on social media oh you're encouraging people to eat junk food no, I'm not. I'm encouraging people to focus on what matters. Focus on your overall dietary quality. Focus on making sure that you're getting your nutrients need met, nutrient needs met. And then you have to enjoy yourself a little bit as well. And you have to make sure that you're not so stressed about your nutrition that it's being counterproductive. Because if you're stressed about everything you eat, what you eat is unhealthy, period. Like, you're eating yeah. an unhealthy diet if you have to be stressed about it. If everything is like completely stressing you out, you should be, you should feel good about what you're eating and, and not feel so restrained and restricted that, that you're, you know, afraid of you go to a friend's house and you, you have to look at the ingredients of everything that they're, they have out on the table. And, and that's almost never necessary i always say i don't speak in absolutes because i'm a scientist yeah, and some, people, that... yeah, and some people have true food allergy and may need to make sure that it doesn't have sesame or peanut or what have you and, but and definitely in some of those things but what i'm referring to more is like the autoimmune stuff where it's does it have a lectin in it or does it have a nut in it and and these things unless oil. you yeah unless you have a true food allergy in most cases like those things are okay and they're not like we eat. I, I have, I made a post on this once, like we eat over a thousand meals a year. If you're eating three meals a day. Now, if you're like fasting and doing this one meal a day thing, you're not, but if you're eating the normal, like three or four meals a day, um, you're eating over a thousand meals a year, like 50, even 50 of them isn't going to make a big impact. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's a lot of meals that you can yeah, really like, have fun with. You have a lot of flexibility there. If you had 50 meals, you ate whatever like whatever you wanted, but the other 950 were, you know, according to your nutrient needs and pretty well, you know, planned and balanced, it would have percentage wise, that's 5%. Yeah. 95% is what matters. Like we have to look at the overall picture and people, people get so hung up on the 5% and trying to get that 5% to 0%. And there's more damage that's done in my opinion when you're trying to get that five to zero, mm -hmm. if you're not being like, if when you eat something, it doesn't just cause a flare or cause like really significant symptoms for you. 
then you need to be eating it, yeah. <laughs> including it in your diet. And then work on the 95% in those other areas of your lifestyle. Like you exactly. mentioned, movement, sleep, stress, your connection with other human beings. That's the other thing too, is when you're working on getting it from 5% to zero in terms of you have to ignore other things because it's just so overwhelming. If you're trying to perfect your diet, I can't, I've never met anyone who, who's been in this like diet perfection thing that exercised because they're so caught up on trying to perfect their diet that they don't even have the mental energy to exercise every day and worry about their exercise routine. When exercise is probably just as beneficial as every dietary change you're going to make. If you compared apples to apples, if you exercise 30 minutes per day and you did something moderate to where you got your heart rate up a little bit and not too much, if you have autoimmune disease, of course, there's going to be, depending on how severe your condition is and how much energy you have, if you don't have a lot of energy, then bare minimum yoga. But, but when I say exercise, movement, movement, movement. Yes. So if it's yoga and that's all you can do, that's fine. If, it, if you can do more then do more. But taking your body and, and moving your body and, and getting that blood pumping and getting your lymphatic system moving. And that is in many cases, if you just did that 30 minutes a day, that's probably going to have as much benefit as all the dietary changes combined that many people make. And this is where that, that part makes me sad too, that a lot of people miss the exercise piece. If you have an autoimmune condition, I know it's hard. I know it is because you're tired and you might be on medication where you're experiencing side effects from that. And, and it can be a lot harder for individuals who are uh, struggling with these things, but you're going to build energy in most cases, as long as you're not wearing yourself out. Yeah. If you're wearing yourself out, then you're doing too much. If you find that you exercise and afterwards you're exhausted the rest of the day, that's too much for you. Your body can't handle that. But if you're, if you're able to do it, and you can do 30 minutes of pretty intense exercise and you feel you don't feel worn out after that. The, the benefit of that over time is going to be immense And exercise is a really inflammatory thing to do. I've, I've made a post on this before, and this is why it can cause individuals with autoimmune disease to feel completely drained because exercise is inflammatory, but it, it's a, it's a very particular inflammatory response that elicits an anti-inflammatory benefit. So when we expose our body to this acute level of higher inflammation on purpose in a, in a setting that it's controlled, our body says, okay, if this person is doing this on a regular basis and I have to deal with this extra inflammation, I need to upregulate some internal anti-inflammatory mechanisms. And that's what happens when you exercise and you do it consistently, your body starts to upregulate anti-inflammatory mechanisms to help bring down some of that inflammation. And that's a chronic adaptation to exercise, but you got to do it consistently. It's a good reminder that I need to get my workout in today still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been, I've been giving myself a little more grace than probably ideal after having Oliver, but I definitely noticed that little boost in energy and just Overall, in mood, like we know all these things can have some benefit from movement. So it's yeah. really powerful. We covered a ton of ground today from marketing to nutrition and exercise. Do you have any kind of parting words or anything else you would love to share with the crunchy allergist crowd? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just going back to what I was mentioning earlier, when you want to improve your nutrition, if you decide that you want to go on a, embark on a journey to improve your nutrition, please start with focusing on what you can add in the nutrient, like how to meet your nutrient needs instead of these restrictive diets. Another thing, exercise, <laughs> highly recommend it. And you have to look at yourself as a whole person, like your all of these things, they go into a bucket, poor nutrition, lack of exercise, stress, lack of sleep. These all are going to increase your symptom, your overall stress load and probably exacerbate your symptoms. So look at your lifestyle back up and look at what are the lowest hanging fruit? Am I not sleeping right now? Before anything else, let's focus on that first, because when you try to do too much, Oftentimes you get overwhelmed and you don't know what, what worked and, and what actually provided a benefit. So if you start with evaluating and saying, okay, what, what are the main areas that I can benefit from? And for most people, that's going to be movement and sleep, to be honest. And those yeah. two pieces are typically, although I'm a nutrition person, like those two pieces are, are typically where I direct people to get more consistent first, because if you're not sleeping, you're not going to want to move you're going to have cravings, you're going to be exhausted, you're going to try to eat to get energy when you're lacking energy because of lack of sleep. So like the, these other things are more important. So take an inventory overall of the things that you can improve in yeah. your life and, and just be mindful of your overall lifestyle and habits. Because if you go and seek answers from someone online, and I, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes you're just going to get they're going to be giving you information that a lot of times work for them or work for someone else, but it's really not an app. Like it's not the thing that you need to be doing. And we have to really, you know, take information, but also have self-awareness of, of the things that we need to be improving because no one else can tell us that. And so definitely just try to take an inventory of the main low hanging fruit that you can improve and when you are getting information and you're listening to this podcast, so clearly you have a good source of information already, but really try your best to, to make sure that the individual who's giving you information knows what they're talking about and has experience with individuals with your issues. Because it's one thing to talk about science and make talking about biochemistry and things like that, but it's quite another to actually have worked with individuals and like in your case, been an MD and seen many patients and that offers a level of perspective that pontificating about the research will never give. And so I highly recommend trying to uh, get sources of information who, number one, use evidence and science to back up the claims that they're making and try to teach you rather than indoctrinate you. So rather than trying to say, you need to be doing this saying, hey, this might be helpful because it's yeah. completely different language there. Teaching versus indoctrination. Think about when you see information, mm. are they trying to teach me or are they trying to indoctrinate me into a belief system? And there's a difference. And then uh, make sure that person has the, the person experience is just it's so important because if the information you're putting out is damaging people, but you've never worked with people, you don't know. And it takes that firsthand experience to see, oh, wow, 
I'm seeing all these people and they're mentally strained from trying to implement these things. And you only see that if you actually work with people. If you don't, you're not seeing that stuff. And, and that's where I think it's really important. And that's why, you know, I'm happy to come on this podcast and connect with like other MDs and, and other practitioners because online is not practitioners. Online is, for the most part, people who are putting out prolific amounts of information online, they're not practitioners. And, and practitioners are the most reliable source of information because they're in the trenches. And there's not a lot of people who have that type of experience who are going out and now saying, hey, let me put in time and energy into educating people. So I'm glad that you're you have taken this journey and, and created this podcast to, to help your, to help your patients. I think the other thing I would just add on to that too, is this idea of, I think it's really important to look for people who are recognizing the expertise in other areas too. Yes. I am an allergy immune system expert, but my training in education or sorry, in, in nutrition, excuse me, is not anywhere near what yours or someone else who has done extensive training in nutrition can bring to the table. Just my patients know that musculoskeletal exercise science is just not my jam. So collaborating with someone who is physical therapist or exercise physiologist, or someone who has that science background and that expertise can be incredibly powerful. So I think there's also that when you're looking for those reliable sources of finding those folks who recognize their own deficiencies and seek out other experts to help bring that expertise to, to their, that's, their audience. That's such a good point. What you'll find is a lot of people who are putting out, who are basically scamming people. They don't want you to see their, your doctor. Oh, oftentimes they'll tell you like, oh, your doctor doesn't know what they're talking about. I'll take care of you. And that is a massive red flag. Like if I have a, a, a client that reaches out to me who doesn't have a GI specialist they're working with, I, I tell them like, you need to get one and, and then we can work together. But, and although I don't want to, although I want to help you, I, there's a lot that I can't help you with that, that you need a, a medical doctor for, because that's not my specialty. And yeah, that that's a big one because I see this, you'll see coaches and practitioners that they'll, they are the doctor. Like there's a certification called the um, IHP certification, integrative health practitioner. And mm -hmm. they basically tell them that like they teach them and it's, a, it's like a six month certification that, that they turn them into like specialists in immunology and gut health and whatever. And these people are coaching individuals and they don't want you to see a doctor because the doctor is going to tell you not to do what they're telling you to do. And if that's a massive red flag, like I, I tell my clients to tell their doctor what I'm recommending for them yeah. and to make sure that the doctor is okay with what we're doing. You need to have checks and balances in, in, in the equation. And sometimes the doctor may think, oh, maybe they're not familiar with it or they're, they're not fully supportive. It's fine, but don't completely get into working with one person and not listen to anybody else because that person could be leading you in the wrong direction. Yeah. So much to dig into. We're going to have to do this again soon. <laughs> yeah. I, I did not expect that. I was like talking about things that I didn't even, hadn't even thought about prior That's to the okay. podcast. We might break this into two parts. It was awesome. Thank you so much for your time, for your expertise, for your entertaining posts. 
Again, if you missed it at the beginning, make sure to follow Dr. Adrian at Dr. Adrian Chavez on Instagram and, and his podcast as well, which is the nutrition science podcast. And I don't want to assume, but that's on all the different podcasting apps or cool. So they can, you can find it where you listen to this one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Crunchy Allergist podcast with me, your host, Dr. Kara Wada, and our guest this week, Dr. Adrian Chavez. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into anti-inflammatory nutrition this last two weeks. If you're keen to learn more about how to manage your misbehaving immune system, a naturally-minded and scientifically grounded approach, you can head over to www.crunchyallergist.com. There, you can find my five foods you don't need to fear if you have Sjogren's, join our email newsletter list, as well as checking out links and resources available in the show notes. That's all for this episode, folks. See you again this time next week. Take care.